The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Career Day on the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to learn about the skills accumulated and lessons learned from a great marketer throughout the various stops on his career. Joining us for Career Day is a special guest. He's a marketing consultant, a speaker, and an author. John Jantz is the president of Duct Tape Marketing Consulting, which is a marketing consulting, publishing, and training firm. He's also the host of one of my favorite podcasts, the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and a multi-time author. He has written The Referral Engine, Duct Tape Selling, the Commitment Engine, SEO for Growth, and his newest work, which we'll talk about a lot today, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur. Very excited to have John Jantz here. Here's our interview with the president of Duct Tape Marketing, John Jantz. John, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hey, so thrilled to be here. Very excited to have you as our guest. Like I mentioned in our intro, I'm a big fan of your show. We've modeled a lot of what we do here at the MarTech Podcast on some of your work Excited to hear about your career and how you got into uh, the same sort of area that I work in. Let's start off from the beginning. How did you get into marketing? In some ways, from a career standpoint, this is going to be a boring story. (laughs) Out of college, some three decades ago, I went to work for an ad agency. And about five years into that, figured I'd learned everything I could possibly learn (laughs) about marketing and business and advertising. And so I jumped out and started my own thing. I called it Chance Communications, which was really just code for, you know, what do you need? Sure, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, hustle project work. That was the one thing I was actually really confident is that I could sell. I could convince people to trust me and to give me some money to do what it was that they needed done. So I really just kind of scrambled around trying to find a purpose, kind of a position, you know, a market that I felt like I wanted to be in. And I eventually fell kind of the small business owners. As I said, I was doing all kinds of, you know, whatever anybody would pay me for. But I landed a couple small businesses as clients. And I just, I was figuring out how to do marketing all the way across the board. This is before we had the internet. I know for some of your listeners, that doesn't compute, (laughs) doesn't make sense. But I was doing their whole marketing. But I also discovered that my ad agency training did not prepare me for how to work with small businesses. So I ultimately came to the conclusion that I had to create a very systematic approach to marketing where I could walk in and say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here's the results we hope to get. And by the way, here's what it costs. 
And I found to my delight that in trying to solve my frustration, that actually was tapping into what is still today one of the greatest frustrations with a lot of small businesses. It's hard to buy marketing services. That was really the genesis of duct tape marketing. I wanted to give this thing a name that was not something generic sounding. And so that was about 2002 that I pivoted, if you will, and started a new career, which was working exclusively with small businesses under the banner of duct tape marketing. So tell me a little bit about your work before you started your independent consulting business. What were the things that you took out of working at an ad agency? What type of work were you doing? And what were the learnings from that experience? So it was kind of a unique business. They called themselves an ad agency, but you know, in a lot of ways, they were a printing business almost. They were the largest producer of catalogs and printed materials for the horticulture industry, probably internationally. Any of your listeners uh, want to get nostalgic. Uh, the real reason they were the largest was because they had the largest library of separated images, which a lot of your listeners won't have any idea what that is. I think some of my listeners might not understand what horticulture is. Why don't you tell us what that is as well? <laughs> so it's seed catalogs and bulb catalogs and tree catalogs. Plants. And they actually owned all these separated images, which were basically four pieces of film into CMYK that they could then slap into a catalog or put on a seed package or whatever. They already had all those. And it used to be really difficult to get. It was a very expensive process to get separations, is what they were called, which was basically an image into four pieces of negative to then be used in a printing process. Why didn't they just use their iPhones? <laughs> it just floors me now. I mean, it was like 75 bucks to get an image separated. So if you took a photograph of something, you had another process to be able to use it in printing. You had another process that was not digital, that was uh, very manual. And so the fact that they had this million separated images library, they basically had a lock on that world because it was so much cheaper to work with them than other companies that might have to still shoot all this stuff and you know get it prepared. So essentially, I was a glorified salesperson for helping those types of companies, most of which you've never heard of. I mean, because they were essentially farms almost in a lot of ways, even though they had multi-million dollar businesses, they weren't household names because many of them were wholesalers to the little nursery. So you come out of your agency experience feeling equipped to do sales, and that helped vault you forward into being independent, into running your own agency. And you mentioned that you had to learn essentially the tools and trade of marketing as you were selling marketing services. Talk to me about the early days. What did you discover and how did you decide to specialize in small businesses? You're absolutely right about the sales component. I think that that is the component that trips most entrepreneurs up. Most people that start their businesses, they don't realize that 50% of their job is going to be sales of some fashion, at least in the early days. But to me, I think the big learning was that nobody knew how to do anything. <laughs> and that if I could just stay one step ahead, I could offer value. So I knew I had a huge learning curve. But as I said, I knew also, particularly in the small business world, when it came to marketing, I knew that it wasn't very hard to be more advanced than the folks that I was selling to. Because particularly in the world of small business, I mean, there are no marketers on staff. <laughs> There's no senior marketing hire, generally speaking. I mean, it is the owner who probably started something because they knew how to do something, invented something, had worked at a company similar to theirs and started it. So they know how to do what the business is meant to do and deliver, but certainly none of the marketing stuff. And quite frankly, as all of the then digital stuff started coming fast and furious, that gap got even wider. 
to where when social media first came around, I was out there promoting social media. I was very involved in it already. I had marketing firms contacting me because it was like this new foreign wing of marketing, you know. And I think that that's to me was the real learning was just stay curious, keep consuming new things, keep experiencing new things, and you're always going to be able to add value to somebody. I understand exactly what you're saying. When I made the transition from being an in-house employee running the marketing department at early stage startups to being an independent consultant, I found myself becoming a much better marketer. And a lot of that has to do with the repetition. You're able to see five times the number of business models in a year. You're able to see different marketing strategies, different internal challenges, the organizational challenges. It gives you more reps, more practice. As you've scaled your business beyond the original days now into duct tape marketing, how have those reps helped you and where did you specialize? What do you focus on now other than the sort of ATM, anything for money approach? Obviously, you you have a little bit more of a system these days. Yeah. And I think that's the key word. In the small business world that I live in, and some people would say this is kind of a cop out, but 80% of our clients need 80% of the same thing, almost regardless of industry. Now, obviously, there are certain models like retail or e-commerce is different than, say, B2B selling nationally. So the models themselves, though, broadly need a lot of the same things. And so when I recognized that, we started actually making our service offering a package that you're going to get X a month for X price that then comes with the 20%, which is strategy and consulting and new ideas and data analysis. That part is what we're going to actually offer. But content and your website and social media and SEO and email marketing was something that we could package. I read a great book by John Warlow, Built to Sell, and it talked a lot about this. It's one of the things that helped me figure out how I wanted to put together my consulting practice, which is having a productized service offering where you are not saying, hey, I'm going to help you for a certain number of hours. It's if you buy my services, you will get 100 social media posts a month for three months, and that cost X, Y, and Z. And it helps people feel more comfortable with understanding what they're going to buy. Eventually, you've moved from just not only being a marketing consultant, but also creating content. Do you think about building content using the same type of systems? What's the reason why you decided to get into the content game? Well, we were always in the content game. We invented inbound marketing. I don't know if anybody knows that, but I laugh. But that to me was always the way to attract clients. That was always the way to get noticed. I started writing for several small newspapers and magazines uh, before we had really the online world. So content to me was always the bridge to build trust so that somebody thought, well, gosh, that person's in the newspaper. They must be an expert. Therefore, I will pay them more than anybody else to come out and do the work. I made that discovery in the 90s. And we call it now influencer marketing and inbound marketing. But from day one, content's always been our approach. You mentioned the newspaper. You've been around since the pre-digital era. So have I. I remember having a newspaper delivered to the house every day. But there's been a dynamic shift in terms of how content has been published, where it used to be, I got my name in the paper. And now people are self-publishers. And I think that you're a great example of that. Talk to me about how you think of the difference between the influencer style marketing where you're writing for someone else as opposed to writing or publishing your own content. I think that there's a place for both. 
we do a tremendous amount of, I, again, I didn't call it necessarily influencer marketing, but I went to organizations very early on and said, hey, I've written this ebook and I think your customers would really like this. And basically, here it is. <laughs> Send it out to your customers. They're going to love it. You're doing them a favor. So that kind of sponsored, branded content, I think has always had a place, always will. But to me, so often we get caught up in the technologies, the distribution method. And ultimately, the thing that hasn't changed at all is building strategic relationships with people who also have your customers is always a good idea. Always has been, always will be. There are just different ways in which we can access that relationship. That's probably the difference or the centering thought, I think, about my arc of a career is it almost hasn't mattered that all this technology and these changes have come along. I'm trying to get people to trust me. I'm trying to get exposure with strategic partners. I'm trying to show up in the places where my clients' prospects are. And I think that that hasn't changed at all. We get really caught up in all these changes and, oh, now we have this and that. Ultimately, what we're trying to do hasn't changed. Just the way people access us and our information and buy is the only thing that's changed. I've done a lot of podcast guesting in the last quarter. We're trying to reach new audiences and introduce the MarTech podcast to people. And a lot of what I talk about is podcast monetization, how we've grown our show from nothing to tens of thousands of listeners, but also how we've been able to monetize that in a different fashion than traditional CPMs. And a lot of what I end up talking about is the difference. You know, how do you grow a podcast? There's four channels you need to think about viral, organic, paid, and partnerships. Yeah. And the truth is what you're saying is that's not just a podcast growth strategy. That's an everything growth strategy. Don't tell anybody else my secret. That's really the growth <laughs> strategy for every business. Yeah. First off, absolutely. I also tell people I started my podcast because I saw it as a great networking tool. Anybody that I wanted to talk to would talk to me. Whereas if I sent you an email and said, hey, Ben, can I pick your brain for about 20 minutes next Tuesday at five or you know Wednesday better? You wouldn't reply. Uh, now, you probably would, but some people wouldn't, uh, wouldn't reply to that. But if I said, hey, Ben, and I see you've got a new book, I'd like to talk to you for 20 minutes about your new book and then promote that. It's like, when can we schedule? And that was always, before I had listener one, that was always my thought about the value of having a podcast. And I think networking and meeting people that I needed to meet or wanted to meet is a great business strategy. Podcasting just enabled a great business strategy. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. 
Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. So selfishly, I have to ask more about your podcast and how it's grown. I mentioned I, I'm a, a, a regular listener of the show. You've been doing the podcast for a while now. Talk to me about the motivations, a little bit about your growth strategy. How do you always end up in the top 25 for marketing podcasts? I can't crack the nut. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Damn it. <laughs> I don't do much to promote my podcast. I really don't. I mean, a lot of it's just, it's been around. I started it in 2005, quite likely one of the longest continuing running podcasts that exists. So that has a lot to do with it. I mean, I've done thousands of episodes. Why it shows up on people's lists, I don't know. Well, it's a great podcast. <laughs> Thank you. But a lot of it's sticking with it. And if we want to get kind of goofy again, I used to do them on a phone call and there was a device that plugged into my phone that was very similar to what the FBI probably used to tap phone lines with that would then plug into a digital recorder. Fortunately, they had come around. And then I'd have to transfer all of that to a computer because we didn't have USB recording devices and things. So it's kind of nutty. But I think sticking with it has really been a lot of it and staying consistent. And in hindsight, once you develop a name, a reputation, it gets easier to get people on who you know other people think uh, they'd like to listen to. So obviously that helps too. Yeah. With any content business, consistency is always going to be very important. Obviously, sticking with it is key. And also, at some point, you've built virality through reputation. You know, you've been exposed to lots of marketers. And so one of the first marketing podcasts that comes to mind whenever I think of a marketing podcast is duct tape marketing. You also have a long history as an author. Tell me a little bit about your reason for being an author and about some of your works. Well, again, it kind of goes back to content. I knew writing content, being seen as an expert was always going to be a valuable thing for the brand. I, in 2002, saw that people actually were going to go to the internet and put in a credit card and buy stuff. And so I started packaging up duct tape marketing as a course. It was actually a course before it was a book. It came in a three-ring binder, had some CDs that came with it if you wanted me to ship it all to you. And I kind of did it backwards. You know, that course by 2005, you know, a lot of that content was on my blog. Now I started podcasting and it was pretty obvious that that was a book because, you know, essentially I, that was the marketing system that I had documented. So I kind of backed into my first book. But again, it's really an odd thing. I was selling my course for $179 and basically the same content went into a book that people bought for $14.95, but it was a different content distribution method. Now I was in bookstores, now I was in airports, you know, now I was in places where people, you know, immediately said, oh, this person's a best-selling author. That used to mean a lot more than it does today. <laughs> so I'm going to now hire them to speak. I'm going to now sponsor their content. I'm now going to sponsor their podcasts. And so for me, it was something I always knew I would do as part of a content strategy. I'm not sure I realized how thoroughly it would lead to other opportunities. But for me, it was the same reason a lot of people write books today. It kind of elevates them. A lot of people write books today because they have something brilliant to say. But a lot of people write books today because they see it as an avenue to kind of elevate them ahead of the competition. So talk to me a little bit about the business model as your multi-pronged approach has developed. You started off doing professional services and consulting. 
you created a course, you have a content machine with your podcast, you have your book as well. How does this all play together? Where do you focus? That's a really good question. My staff asks me that all the time. <laughs> My focus when I'm sure is on innovation. One of the things that I do know in the last 10 years is all this stuff is evolving, changing. People have new ways to look at it. In this technology space, I'm an old man now. And so I've done everything I can to make people realize that I still am not only relevant, but that what we're talking about and doing is evolving right there along with the market at exactly the right pace. And so we constantly are moving into new markets and innovating. We have a network of independent marketing consultants now that license our material and work as a group to collaborate in working with thousands of small business owners. So we, my organization still consults with a handful of small businesses because that keeps us certainly in the game. But we now have about 150 independent marketing consultants and agencies around the world that are duct tape marketing licensed consultants. We are moving very quickly into another space where I think there's a huge void. And that is a lot of you know, five and 10 and $15 million organizations go out and make their first marketing hire. <laughs> it's usually somebody that they can plug in that's young, that can do social media, but there's nobody in the organization who actually can tell them what to do or how it fits into anything. So we are also now working with organizations to create a certified marketing manager role. So where we will actually train we will coach that person, we'll consult to build their marketing plan, but they'll have that now embedded employee who's actually now been kind of leveled up, but also worked with a coach and a consultant to you know, help move the marketing forward for the organization. I think there's a massive market for that kind of help and support for organization. It's funny, at my last full-time job, which inevitably did not end well, led me into being an independent consultant. That was my problem, right? I was a young operator. I knew how to run some Facebook ads, and I was sitting there doing the creative, running the ads, trying to do some analysis and not stepping back and thinking about what the marketing channels should be, what the time to maturity was. And that's one of the things that I find is a challenge for most business operators when they're working with marketers is... They have the expectation of, because I can get data in real time, the channels should mature in real time. I should be able to optimize a performance marketing channel the second I launch it or very quickly. And it turns out it takes six months to a year to get those channels really up and running and humming. As you've seen a few things, you said you're old. I'm not going to go down that path. <laughs> I disagree. Experienced. But you've seen you know a fair amount of cycles in marketing. Where are we today and how do you think marketing has changed? I think it's changed primarily. I mean, there is this sort of emerging technology and rapid change that I think makes us feel like things are changing more than they are. But I wouldn't be the first to say this. I think the biggest shift was when we shifted from marketers being in control to the buyer being <laughs> in control because of you know all the choices that they now had in many ways to assess a company, to learn about a company, to decide if they like that experience, to communicate in the way that they want to communicate, to pay in the way they want to pay. I mean, all those changes, I think, have led a lot of marketers to feel like the world has changed. And again, I think building trust, giving a great experience, those are the things that haven't changed at all. I think the buyer is just able to basically demand it. You know, you're either going to create a great experience, you're going to understand how to personalize a journey for how we want to buy, or you're not going to exist. 
One of the things that I think has changed a lot in marketing is the role a marketer plays where, you know, in the traditional, the CPG brands, marketers were the middle of the wheel, right? They were the product marketers and they really controlled what the brand should be. And marketing has changed now to me to either be in some ways more of a support function where there are businesses and products. And I'm seeing more and more marketers like I have, like you have being independent and being service providers or being very verticalized as opposed to being in-house marketers that are doing the traditional W-2. As the role of a marketer is changing, how do you advise that marketers and specifically those of us who want to go out on our own, stay on top of things and are able to navigate the career? Well, to stay on top of things, it just takes work. I mean, it's organized how you get your feed, how you get information. But I think one of the things that marketers have to recognize is that inside of a lot of organizations, culture is marketing, the customer experience is marketing, sales and how sales treats you know their role really is marketing, how the strategic focus of the organization really is marketing, how some of the answers to the phone is marketing. I mean, I think that we try to compartmentalize it. But I think any way, shape, and form in which a business touches a customer and who the owner of that business is being, in a lot of cases, is marketing. And I've always felt that marketers need to get deeper into organizations, deeper into the vision, the mission, the culture of the organization. And I think marketers who can actually demonstrate the impact of those areas and those roles as they relate to the overall marketing plan, I think are going to be more valuable today. All of the data crunching, all of the writing the right emails is going to go away because there's going to be a robot that does that part of it. But understanding how the customer moves through a business, how the customer is impacted by a business, how the owner of that business is impacting the lives of the people that work there, I think that's increasingly become the job of marketers or become a place where marketers can insert themselves. Let's put it that way. Understanding and owning the customer relationship, I think is, I don't know if it's a definition of marketing, but it's definitely central to what the core of marketing is. Hey, before I let you go, you recently launched, what is this, your sixth book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Give me the preview and tell everybody about your new book. Well, the good news is the subtitle tells you a lot about it. It's 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business. So It is written as kind of a daily devotional. So you don't take it on vacation and read it and go, okay, I knock that out. It's really more of a book about mindset. And it's something that you come to almost like a practice, you know, two minutes a day. And the focus of the book is on entrepreneurs or on people who need to think like entrepreneurs. Uh, I think a lot of folks, even inside of organizations, would benefit both their own life and their own organization, you know, by being more or thinking more entrepreneurial. So it's just kind of a daily dose of inspiration. It borrows from Ralph Waldo Emerson's uh, essay, Self-Reliance. So that's the idea of the self-reliant entrepreneur. And probably the main focus is to help people develop trust, confidence, resilience, all the stuff that you really need to go out there every day and kind of do the battle (laughs) that we as entrepreneurs have to do. There's a whole lot of forces out there, some of them in your head telling you you're not good enough or you shouldn't do that or you're not smart enough or this isn't going to work or that's not going to work. I've always felt that being an entrepreneur or entrepreneurship is the greatest self-development program ever created. So in a lot of ways, this is kind of the guide to go to work on a better you so that you can build a better business. I love it. And I have your next product extension. When I was a kid, I would have a far side daily calendar that had a little daily cartoon. You rip it off and you'd throw it away. The daily inspiration next to the nightstand. I'd love it. Let me know when you have it developed. You have the printing friends. 
Well, I wouldn't be the first person to do that in this format or the journals, you know, those have become really popular too. So there's all kinds of extensions for this. Whether it's a book, an email, a journal, I'll have to check out the self-reliant entrepreneur. I agree with you that being an entrepreneur is something that is going to challenge you daily and help you understand who you are. And working a career in marketing will do the same. John, before we let you go, let me just say thank you for being a role model for me as a podcaster, for helping countless small businesses understand how marketing really works, and for inspiring the entrepreneurial community. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to John Jantz, the president of Duct Tape Marketing. If you'd like to learn more about John, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Duct Tape, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is ducttapemarketing.com, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E, marketing.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, if you heard any links that you thought were interesting, go to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, the contact information for our guests. You can also sign up for a once a week newsletter and you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D. And my personal handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish episodes daily. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.